A viewer's response to our review on Rulon Ulrich's teachings next on Polygamy, What Love Is This? It's always so interesting to read the comments that we receive from our viewers in response to various topics and programs that we present on sure. our show. Uh, and of course, we realize that we're not really taken very seriously <laughs> by the dyed-in-the-wool polygamous community or even by the seriously religious LDS folks. But we do present biblically-based answers to the teachings of Mormon polygamy. In response to our program number 16.20, entitled Rulin Allred's Teachings, Part 3, released July 19th of 2023. We have some comments from a critic. We believe but both his <laughs> comments and our answers will interest the rest of our viewers. Of course, we suggest everyone check out everything before making critical comments and judgments, yet we know very few actually take the time to right. find out <laughs> answers for themselves. Polygamists do not teach biblical grace as taught in the Bible, neither do they understand or accept the concept of free grace, which brings the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. Grace and eternal life are a free gift to all who will believe God. One of my favorite scriptures, Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice it's a free gift. Free gift. Very clear there. It's a free gift. Now, all of Mormonism is based on a good work salvation, and we continue to point out the difference of free grace and wages of works because our eternity depends upon it. Now, we're going to refer to our viewer who made these comments as B.B., and he takes the official Mormon response to the biblical grace concept. He quotes Romans 11.6, which only confirms that salvation is either grace or works. It cannot be both. And since we are all sinners, it has to be all of grace if we want to get there. Romans 11.6, and if by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more of grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. It so it's one or the other. It can't be both. Can't it can't be, be a mixture of both. And yet the Mormon and polygamists take the stance that it Definitely. is both working Definitely. together. Definitely. So then he jumps back to, to the book of James, which, of yeah. course, the Mormons rely upon sure. these verses for their James, works. James 2.22 and James 2.24. Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And ye see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. So the the word works and faith and and the and and they are all mixed together in in the concept that they come up with even with salvation. That's what they're. But know. but James doesn't teach salvation as by works. No. At all. Uh, they rely on James chapter two to affirm their belief that works is required for salvation. But James isn't talking about uh, works bringing salvation. James is saying works prove, prove that saving faith is already present in the person. Salvation has already been attained through that person by their faith 
uh, through the, the gift of grace yeah. that God has given us. And you do good works because you have the faith. Because you have it already, yes. yeah. And and James never teaches a works. So you can read all of James. He never teaches a works salvation. He does teach that genuine saving faith will always produce good works, as Earl just said. Now, James chapter 2 merely confirms the passage um, of grace and no works in Ephesians. Chapter 2, 8 through 10. For by grace are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So again, we've got the gift. It's a gift from God. It is not by works. Very clearly it says it's not by works. And of course, that's what we just read in Romans, that there's no works. It's either works or grace. It can't be both. Now, it's interesting that they never quote passages like this one in (laughs) Ephesians. They never go to it. Uh, Works do not produce salvation or faith. Works can't even produce faith. No. Uh, Ephesians explains that they are totally excluded for salvation, and also Titus 3, 5, and 6 is clear that works is not part of salvation, that it is a free gift based on the mercy and love of God, and for those who will trust in Jesus alone uh, for their eternal life. Polygamy, obviously, is excluded. Notice that when works are discussed in biblical passages, it never lifts polygamy as being a required (laughs) work. The Mormon teaching is upside down. Now, then B.B. goes on and says like this. Yeah, you really need to read the whole Bible. I guess he's telling us that, Uh right? Mm -hmm. You really need to read the whole Bible as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints teaches. So you will see that Jesus Christ, they teach, that the Jesus Christ they teach is the Jesus Christ of the Bible and not some man-made trinity added to the Bible. Now, I thought that was interesting. He's introducing different topics here. And, and uh, of course, the Trinity here. Now, when does the LDS Church teach that you read the whole Bible? They teach, read the Book of Mormon. They Well, every four years they go through the Bible rather superficially. Yeah. Yeah, especially the New Testament. Right. But, uh, yeah, so they, but they never go to the, they never use really the Bible as a reference manual like they do the. The Book, of Mormon, Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants. The others, yeah. yeah. So, so he brought in the the biblical Jesus and the man-made Trinity. So we asked him uh, if they believe. If so, why did the LDS um, believe that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers? That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Well, in his answer, he skipped our question about Jesus and Lucifer being brothers. But later. He has a very odd answer for it, and we will address that a little bit later on. Now, B.B.'s explanation of works and dead faith is in reality dead works without (laughs) saving faith. Quote, I suggest that you read more carefully, for there is no way to interpret James that way without changing words. Faith without works is dead. Dead is the same as lifeless, empty, meaningless, so of no effect. Faith requires works to be perfect. Now, he's correct. He's <laughs> correct with that, that, there, that, that if there are no works to prove that you, the, your love and your commitment to uh, is real, right. then they are dead in their sins. That's absolutely true. But again, please notice, James never says we need works to get saved, only works to prove we are saved. 
Mormons constantly miss what James is saying. Absolutely. Our viewer continues his good works remarks like this. Kind of an interesting one. Never did Jesus Christ heal without works being done by those healed or by those asking for the healing. I thought that was interesting. Did he really read the Bible? <laughs> you know, based on some of his comments, yeah. he said that they they do read the Bible, but with a comment like that, he could not have have because it's so varied it. mm -hmm. the way Jesus dealt with people. He gave no biblical examples, okay. um, and it is a strange statement given the fact that the many of the miracles of healing that Jesus did was done without someone asking him to do it, and no works were ever. A prerequisite. Sometimes after he healed, Jesus would encourage them to good works, but not right. before as a prerequisite, like B.B. said. Now, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead and in the tomb four days. He couldn't possibly have done any works before Jesus raised him from the grave. And neither of his sisters uh, asked Jesus to bring him back from the dead because of any good works. And when they asked for his healing before he died, they relied on and specifically pointed to Jesus' love for Lazarus when they asked for his healing before he died. They didn't say no. he was a good man and deserved it. Right. <laughs> Let's look at another healing that Jesus did without any good works on the part of the one he healed. This is from Matthew 8, 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, the viewer said no one, he, Jesus never healed anyone unless they did works first. Yeah. <laughs> Neither this leper nor Lazarus did any works to merit his healing. The blind man in chapter 9 of John didn't do any before he was healed, and he never asked for healing either. Jesus <laughs> just healed him without that. Our viewer's wrong on this, as well as many other statements that he's made. Now, B.B. goes on to say that without works, Abraham could not be called God's friend. Noah's faith wouldn't have saved him if he hadn't obeyed God and built the ark. But he fails to see the sequence. Yeah. That's the whole point, right. I think. Faith always comes first. Salvation is by grace through faith. Then obedience and works follow. Yep. They believed in and trusted God. It's really that simple. They wouldn't obey someone they didn't believe in or trust. And here is, I think, a real bonkers of a quote you for know, people who believe that we have to work to be righteous. And it's pretty well repeated by Paul, isn't it? It in is, the New yeah. Testament. Mm -hmm. Genesis 15, 6 says, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Notice Abraham's faith. Faith was his righteousness. Not his works. <laughs> no works. But this Genesis 15 was written before he became a polygamist. And, and before a lot of the other things that Jesus did, before God called him his friend, um, it, Genesis 15, 6 was written before all of those. So there's no works involved in his righteousness. He believed the Lord. He had faith in the Lord. And that was his righteousness. 
Um, and Noah, as well, was a lifelong monogamist, so he didn't do any polygamy to make himself righteous. And he built the ark because he was righteous, not works to make him righteous. Okay. Now, we, we need to make a, a, a point here. It's very important. Many people have faith, but the object of their faith determines its value. If you have faith in Joseph Smith or yeah. polygamy or Mormonism, it's the wrong object. You have faith, but it's not in the right thing. And that faith has absolutely no value for eternal life. We want to share an Old Testament passage from Ezekiel that explains how God moves us to good works, but he does this after he grants the believer his gift of eternal life. From Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. I want to mention first, there's no polygamy there. No, I didn't read any either. <laughs> no. no, but notice the I wills. God is speaking and he says, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this. It's yeah. all God. It's yeah. all of God, not of us. Right. It's all of God. Now, this was written to Old Testament Israel. But since the New Testament tells us that God's promises are yes in Christ, we know that New Testament believers also receive this cleansing, the repentance, the new heart, the new spirit, which results in the works God designed for us to do. It's exactly what Jesus was explaining to Nicodemus mm. in John chapter 3 when he said, no one can see or enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Ezekiel 36 that we read, those passages, explains the born, born again, again experience. It it's really quite it's simple when you understand what it's all about. Now, notice verse 27 in the Ezekiel passage. It is His Holy Spirit that is given to the believer, and it is God Himself who moves us to obey. We cannot do it on our own. That's right. We cannot do it without His Holy Spirit doing it in us first. Some people ask Jesus, what works required? What works God requires? And this is Jesus' answer. Yeah, I love this. John 6, 28, 29. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he hath sent. Now notice that. Yeah. Isn't that lovely? <laughs> That's great. Now notice they said to do the works of God, plural, works. Yeah. Jesus used the singular, this is the work of God. And one thing. One thing. <laughs> believe. believe. Okay, yeah. that's the saving faith. Now, that's Jesus' answer, okay? And his answer really isn't difficult to understand. No, no. There's no passage in the Bible where salvation or works or polygamy is ever part of gaining eternal life. B.B. finally addresses our question about Mormonism's belief that Jesus and Lucifer are spirit brothers. Now, please <laughs> listen closely to his explanation. And we quote him. As for Satan and Jesus Christ, have you not read that God is the father of spirits, and the devil and his angels are called lying and seducing spirits and evil spirits? If God is not also the father of evil spirits, then where did they come from? 
and tell me where it says that spirits were created. If God is the father of all our spirits, including Jesus Christ, as this God who cannot lie says many times, and the devil and his angels were just like us until they rebelled and were <coughs> cast out of heaven, that means that we are all spirit children of God. How is that so hard to understand? It is all right there in the Bible. Now, that's his answer to Jesus and Lucifer <laughs> right. being brothers. Our question <laughs> is, where in the Bible does it teach all this? He never gives a biblical no. reference. No, he doesn't. Where does it say that the devil and his angels were just like us when they rebelled, before they rebelled? Where does it say that God is the father of the spirit of Jesus Christ? Where does it say that we are all spirit children of God? That's Mormon doctrine, it but it's not biblical. First, we need to present the biblical meaning of the word father, and it isn't always biological. The primary meaning is a male biological parent. It can also mean ancestors or forefathers. It can also mean originator as well as one who is due respect or honor. In the New Testament, father is progenitor, ancestor, mentor, or model. He is the founder of a tribe of people figuratively in a spiritual and moral sense. Father is a title of respect and reverence. The word father designates the author, source, beginner of something. Father is used of, the father is used of God as the creator, preserver, governor of all men and things, watching over them with paternal love and care, God the Father. Okay, now that's not always biological, is no, it? No, no. And, and, and it means source, okay? And of course, God is the source of yes. all things except yeah. himself. God is not the biological father of Jesus Christ or of human beings or of the devil and his demons. A good example is from John chapter 8, where Jesus tells us that Satan is the father of liars and of wickedness. Father here meaning the source, not the sex. <laughs> we quote from John. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Okay, so so the devil is a liar. People <laughs> believe him. Jesus is the truth, and people don't right, believe him. Right. He, Jesus is the truth. He said nothing that wasn't true. Obviously, God is not the father of everyone. We read. Now, Jesus didn't say anything that wasn't true, right? Right. So, obviously, the devil is the father of liars. Yeah. God is not the father of evil and wicked people. He did not beget spirit beings but he is their creator. Okay, there's a big difference in yeah. the way they apply this. Yeah. When the Bible refers to God as the father of our spirits, it is not the biological or literal sense, but the definition being he is the source, the creator of all things spiritual and material. We need to point out that Jesus Christ is not a created person. Mm. Jesus is God, and he is the creator. 
Yeah, from famous one, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So everything was made through Jesus. That's what right? it says. He's the creator. That's right. And then John 1, 14, And the Word, Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so the Word God became flesh, Jesus, and He is the only Son from the Father. <laughs> That's right. Okay, only, meaning what? <laughs> <laughs> meaning only. Now, we know Mormonism and polygamists teach that Jesus and Satan and humans are all of the same family with God being our literal father, but the Bible does not support Mormonism's idea of the spiritual family or the myth of a pre-existence, which is exactly what BBB was trying to yeah. explain to us. Yeah. We have more complicated comments from <laughs> BB. <laughs> this is interesting. Yeah. Plus, we now have recent discoveries. He says this. Yeah. Plus, we now have recent discoveries in Hebrew history, including the heavenly family, El, the father, and Aster, his wife, and their two sons, Baal, the rebellious one, who promised no punishment for anything, and Yahweh. They stopped talking about Baal as idol worship quickly arose for him. And because they were almost identical, El and Yahweh were combined into one, and Asher was now the consort of Yahweh. And when Asher also became the object of idol worship, she was also removed, though not entirely. You can still see Asher personified as Lady Wisdom, especially in Ecclesiastes, and she is connected with the Tree of Life. And some prominent women in the Bible, like Eve, the Mother of All, and the Virgin Mary, the Mother of Heaven, or Mother of God. Asher was also depicted with her lower half as a tree trunk, and one of the pillars in the Temple of Solomon is said to have represented her. Of course, all this was gone by the time what we have of the Old Testament was put together after the, after the return from the Babylonian captivity. Thank God for modern archaeology to restore these things, though Joseph Smith Jr. had basically already done so. Remarkable how Joseph Smith Jr. is time and time again proven right by archaeological and historical discoveries, though it shouldn't be surprising for a true prophet of God. Now, when we were able to catch our breath, yes. we told them there were so many wrong suppositions in this, all of what he said, that we would have to answer them only doing it on a future program. <laughs> right. B.B. responded like this. I quoted the Bible, so you're saying the Bible's wrong, or are you admitting to not knowing history? Now, there's not one quote from the Bible in, in this that you just read. Not one single no. quote. He refers no. to the Bible in certain ways. Yeah. But no way, uh, no way is is El the father and Aster his wife and and uh, the mother of God and, and <laughs> especially Lady Wisdom and Ecclesiastes. None of that is biblical. No. Absolutely none of it. He, there is a lot of idolatry in the Old Testament. And Asher, of course, was one of them, <laughs> and so was Baal. But it had nothing to do with the truth of God. Um, and there, there again, we we want to just, it's too complicated to go through all of it, so right. we're just going to kind of smooth over it. First of all, God's testimony of this himself makes it clear that there's only one God in existence, something Mormonism poses. 
Next, he brings out the idolatry of the Old Testament people, both of Israel as well as, as, well as other nations. Now, all idolatry is condemned by God. Yeah. He tells us to flee idolatry. Joseph Smith did restore a new and different kind of idolatry in Mormonism, but not the truth. He did not restore the gospel because it was never lost. Yeah. Jesus promised his word would remain throughout all generations. Jesus is God. He is the truth. He cannot lie. He never failed in anything. And everything planned by God has been or will be completely and perfectly performed by him. He did not need Joseph Smith to come and fix something that Jesus allegedly <laughs> failed to do. Yeah. We answered B.B. like this. Quoting out of context is a mishandling of God's Word. People quote the Bible all the time, but then unwittingly apply it in error. I will discuss these things on an upcoming program. And we've got part two of this to discuss more of us. And we do hope that our viewer is watching, that B.B. is watching, and that he will take the time to research these things for himself, and that he won't rely upon the LDS canned answers for uh, the predetermined, their predetermined responses, you right. know, which is what many of them do. Sure. And we hope that all our Mormon polygamy group members will dig deep into their Bible and discover for themselves that God's Word is complete. It is incorruptible. It is inerrant. Hundreds of prophecy that has been fulfilled in the past is just one proof of its reliability. So we challenged our viewer to check out the mishandling of God's Word and he said this. Yeah, like how, how they misquoted the Bible to create the Trinity and then added elaborate explanations as to why the verses didn't mean what they said when read straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> now, he alleged that they, probably meaning historical Christians, right. misquoted the Bible to create the Trinity, but he never offered a single verse or passage that has been wrongly created uh, or used to create a trinity. Now, it's amazing how Mormonism is opposed to the trinity, but the Book of Mormon is not. No, it isn't. We quote from the three witnesses to the Book of Mormon. Even the the beginning of the Book of Mormon. Right. And the honor be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, which is one God. Amen. Now, they didn't use the word trinity, but they described what the trinity trinity is. is. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit being one God. That's the trinity. Now, we're out of time, and we're going to finish up answering his current concerns next time. Uh, But first, before we we end this time, did you have these kinds of ideas when you were a, a good, upstanding member of the LDS Church? Not some of this stuff, no. I mean, I had the concept of Jesus and <clears throat> Satan being brothers. I, I did never think of them being a different, you know, I, I thought Jesus was a God, but I didn't believe he was God. Mm-hmm. And I believed that he and I were were brothers. Brothers, yeah. And that I could eventually become like him and yeah. like God, yeah. our Elohim at that time. So, yeah, I mean, I believe some of it. Uh, but not I, some of this Not weird some of the weird stuff, stuff there, but yeah. I did believe in faith and works. I mean, I figured right. I had to do my my part to get to heaven. And I didn't you can't trust, be in Mormonism without believing in works. Yeah, you have I didn't to trust, works. I didn't trust uh, Jesus to that extent. I knew he was going to help me up at the end, but 
that I had to do my part. He was going to, yeah, you do 90% and he'll fold in the 10%. I didn't realize it was his righteousness that saves me, not my oh, righteousness. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I believe that that Jesus was Jesus, my elder brother. Yeah. And the devil's brother, but I never, never had a clue he was God, a God, anything like that at all. I did. and so that was one of the big shocking, wonderfully shocking yeah. things I learned when I started studying the Bible. Well, thanks. We're going to yeah. finish his letter next time on part two. Now Jesus said that the works that God requires for us is to believe in Jesus. That's real hard work for some people. It's natural for humans to want to earn something as wonderful as heaven is. We even have a saying, if it's worth having, it's worth working for. But that's a human saying. It's not in the Bible. Jesus also said in another place that if we don't believe that he is who he claims to be, we cannot go where he is. Obviously, believing in the right things and the right person is critical when it comes to saving faith. You'll find your answers only in the Bible, which is God's word and which is incorruptible. And whenever you read about salvation, it's always about the Savior. Notice it's never about polygamy. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.